Hello and welcome to another episode of Reach the Masses podcast, a show about two friends talking about the pop culture that they love. I'm Travis. And I'm Heather. We are at episode eight. We've made it to eight. Almost to double digits. Eight is great. Eight is great. Today's episode, we will be discussing a book review, summer readings. Um, we're going to each talk about a book that the other one has not read and just Kind of sell it to the other, I guess, would be the best way. Just kind of yeah. give you some little bit about it. We're not going to try to spoil anything, so we don't have to do spoilers. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll discuss a book that we've both read or enjoyed um, and enjoyed. You can read it and enjoy it. We'll, we'll do both. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to do both. Well, okay. Maybe not always. Some <laughs> things I finish on principle. but I don't think I've ever done that. I don't know if I've ever walked away from a book just because it was bad. I've not, I've, no. No, I'll take that back. Perfect Storm. I could not finish that. Could yeah. not. It was for, it was for school in English class, accelerated reading class uh, or whatever, but I just could not finish it. Couldn't finish it. Mm. Uh, there were, there were several books in a LGBT lit class that I, I just skimmed over <laughs> rather than uh, read, but you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, and then afterward, after that, we will review, and I was sorry, we're done reviewing, we will do a couple rounds of Would You Rather, um, and Heather has converted me as we're doing this, I am shuffling the deck on, <laughs> on mine, so. And I've already got cards. mine good and shuffled. So, let's kick it off with some book reviews. Uh, Heather, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, the book I have chosen for this particular podcast is, um by an author called Sarah Waters. Uh, it's called The Night Watch. Okay. It was published back in 2006. I've only read it twice. Only? <laughs> only. I, I tend to, you know, reread books uh, quite See, a lot. See, I don't do that. I do. Oh, I, if I love a book, I'll... Even if it's a book, I mean, I, I, have, I have reread books and yeah. I have re-listened to books on um, audio books. Yeah. But for the most part, usually I read it once and then I'm done. No, I, I love to tell myself that story and hear that story or read that story over and over and over. So this was, this also, uh, uh, following that line of thought, also has a movie because okay. the BBC tends to make all of Sarah Waters' books into movies. Okay. And they did this one in 2011. Have you watched it? I did watch it. And? Um... We should have been on the first podcast where we were talking about adaptations. Yeah. I don't remember a lot about it, though, to be honest. <laughs> whenever, remember the book. Yeah, I remember the book. The movie, not so much. But whenever I was going back to refresh my memory on the book, I ran across the the movie adaptation. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I was like, not very well. Anyone <laughs> in the TV show that we would know from other stuff, like, Doctor Who or anything else? So. Uh, there could be. I didn't look up any of the actors. Okay. I, uh, Was it called probably, the same thing? It is. It's called The Night Watch. Um, okay. It was a made-for-TV movie on the BBC. So probably not that big of a budget. I don't know. BBC's, you know, they do Doctor Who. And when did it come out? 2011. Okay. So, what's the basic story then? Well, this book is cool for one solid reason. There are many other reasons this book is cool, but this is like the most solid one. And it takes place in reverse. Okay. It starts out in 1947. 
Okay. And you get the end of the story where all the characters have ended up. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to 1944, and it takes place location-wise in uh, London, um, obviously during the war. I just said 1944. And then it ends at the beginning of the story in 1941. Okay. So it's divided into three sections. Um, and all the characters in it are, they're connected, even if they don't realize they're connected. There's some sort of loose connection. Yeah, in maybe just some small way. Like one of the characters um, has something tragic happen to her, and the other character is there and kind of saves her life. Right. But they're not, like that doesn't bring them together in any major way. It's just like, you know, they were there for that one moment, that incident, and then that's it. Right. And then you, at the beginning, which is the end, a moment happens, and you don't understand that moment until you get to the ending slash beginning of the book. Okay. Like, one of them hands the other one a ring. Okay. And you don't know the significance of that. You know it's significant because it's mentioned, um, but you don't know why it's significant until you get to the, until you get to 1941. And, and another thing, since the book is in reverse. Where did... You told me the year. Where does it take place? London. London? London, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, post-war and during the war. Right. Um, oh, you lost... You made me lose my train of thought. Where was oh, I going sorry. with that? No, you're good. You're uh, talking about the ring and then the importance. And oh, the um, let's see. Where was I going with that? Uh, the... Yeah, she hands her a ring. You don't know why. Then you find out at the beginning slash end why it was significant um but there's four main characters that it follows uh-huh. um Kay is the she was an ambulance driver during the war um which that would have taken place in like 1944 the 1944 section of the book um but opening in 1947 she mainly just kind of walks around London and uh reminisces and she's known for she gets a lot of odd looks and it's mentioned in the book because she dresses very masculine uh-huh. especially for 1947 but uh, then there's Helen who in 1947 runs this matchmaking agency um, with this other woman called Viv who is <laughs> and this is where it's going to get a little iffy maybe um, is the woman who Kay had the encounter with, with the ring. Uh-huh. And you don't know why until 1941. Okay. Till you get back to 1941. Um, but they work together, and then there's Viv's brother, Duncan, who was in prison for a few years through the book, and then he now takes care of a prison guard. Um, it's kind of a nudge-nudge, wink-wink relationship that he has with this guard. It's a male guard. Um, and he works at a candle factory and the guard is an old man and he calls him Uncle Horace in mm-hmm. public, but they're not actually related. It's more of a, um, it's, it only has homosexual undertones. There are no, it, there's nothing overtly homosexual in their relationship. So I, I don't really know how to describe it without saying that. You could almost say it was the old um, Greek 
mentor-mentee relationship, but without the, uh, I don't know, the sexual aspect, I guess. Right. Because that, there's nothing. It's nothing overt. It's, 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 it's all, all hinted at. Yeah, it's all under the water. There's nothing overt. Um, and I almost remembered what I was saying a minute ago. Oh, that's what it was. Because the book takes place in reverse, you cannot, the, Sarah Waters made it to where, the, with these characters, you cannot rely on their memory because they're not going to remember these things because it's happening in reverse. Right. You're getting the end of the story. And then, you know, it's, as you're going through, you're like, well, we're moving backwards through time. So, and as fans of Doctor Who, I thought that might interest you because it. Kind of like Memento. Yes. Kind of like Memento. Just without, you know, instant cameras. Right. Which would be like today without instant cameras. Well, no, I just meant like Memento started. Yeah. The, the movie started at the end. At the and end. Then it and worked, then it worked back worked to the beginning. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what this book does. Um, it was published by Virago. I should mention that. Um, let's see. It was nominated for several awards and won several awards, actually. Um, and, of course, you know, Sarah Waters, her work tends to be um, very Dickensian in execution. And this one isn't really. It's not like Fingersmith or Affinity or Tipping the Velvet, which are her previous novels to this one. Um and also, this is the first one she wrote that took place in an era that wasn't Victorian England, which was a big change of pace for her. Okay. Um, so, why, how, how did you stumble across it? I mean, was it just that you've read her other stuff and this was just like yeah. continuing on with it? Oh, yeah, because um, she could write down, you know, dribble, and I would read it. Okay, well, what's her style? I mean, I, I mean, obviously... Not going into too much detail, but I mean, is it each character you get to know what, you know, is it like from their point of view it's each all, time? It's third person. Okay. It's set in third person. Okay. Uh, does she do more, you know, some authors go into like every minute detail of describing an area or does she paint broad strokes once you fill in there yeah she she paints it broadly she lets you know the the generalness of mm -hmm. what's going on and the generalities in environment i mean not uh, not as general as say like um stephen king because he he paints with very broad strokes you know i don't know he um that one book but not as really good. intricate as like Anne rice right it's it falls somewhere in the middle, the middle. between those two. With I don't know Stephen environment King. details. One of his that I read that eleven twenty two sixty three mm -hmm. was really good. And I guess you are right. He does do some broad strokes, but some of it. Yeah, like Anne Rice. Detail. She like describes like the. No, the no, no. I, I agree with Anne Rice. Yeah, <laughs> Anne Rice describes the feel of the carpet, that, <laughs> yeah. and which is good. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it really does help you and feel like you're there. Yeah. Um, and then again, some people might need that, and then some people might just need the broad strokes, and they fill it yeah, in the rest. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a good in between. Yeah, that's that's kind of where she falls with it. So how long ago was it when you read this one? Last uh, time you read it? Last time I read it was probably 2007 ish, because it it was published in 2006, and I I read it when it was published, and then I think I revisited it 
whenever I had surgery in 2007. Okay. So you read it and didn't listen. Is it there an audio book of it? or? I think there is. I've never looked it up to see if there is, but I'm fairly certain there is. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, I mean. Yeah. Oh, and currently, I thought we'd mention what we were currently reading. Oh, okay, yeah. Because uh, I juggle multiple books at a time. I usually just one book at a time. <laughs> uh, currently, I'm reading Anne Rouse's uh, Prince Lestat in the Realms of Atlantis. Which I've read that. And also, I'm reading Barbara, Barbara uh, Kingsolver, uh, her, the Poisonwood Bible, which is actually turning out to be interesting and very good. Okay. And I was quite surprised. I don't think I'm reading anything right now, but I can talk about mine when we get there. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't surprised because Barbara King's Love Solver is a bad author or anything. She's a monumentous author. I, I just, I had not read anything by her and the stories about missionaries in Africa. And I just really didn't think that would pique my interest, <laughs> but uh, it actually has. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, so definitely would recommend it. I'll I'll see if I can. Um, and it's called um, Night Watch. The Night Watch, yeah. The Night Watch. I'll just look and see if it's on here on my little search feature here. So for your overdrive, yeah, yeah. audio books. Because I, full disclosure, I love to read. I used to read all the time, um, and. It was something that I really enjoyed, but I would read and I would usually fall asleep because uh, I would read in bed. And nowadays, I don't even make it half, half the time. I'm not even in bed when I go to sleep. I fall asleep <laughs> on the couch. I wake up and go to bed. So I don't get to read as much as I do. I want to. However, I've got um, lots of time driving with my job. Um, so, so you get to I get to listen it. to it a lot, and I I thought I wouldn't like it audiobooks just having someone read to me, but if you get the right person reading it, yeah, it makes it all the be, difference. Yeah, it can absolutely be a magical experience. Um, I highly recommend audiobooks. Like that one that I sent you, we won't name the book just because, but the person doing the accents was. Oh, was yeah. horrific, <laughs> yeah. and it made it made. It, I finally got used to it, yeah. but it took a while because yeah. the person that they did to do the different accents of different mm -hmm. cultures that were portrayed in the book was just horrific. Yeah, uh, I see. Who's someone that that I really enjoyed? I really enjoyed the one that did the magicians. I can't remember his name, and mm -hmm. I also enjoyed the person who did the audiobook for Neil Gaiman's Anansi Boys. Yeah. He did a really good job with all the accents and all the different. I mean, I think I read it. I didn't listen to it. I would I would recommend listening to it mm -hmm. as well if you have you know like if you have to drive um, a lot. Odd Thomas that series I listened to that. Um, that was whenever I was driving to Greenville whenever I worked there. I've listened to Odd Thomas. He the, the actor I thought done just a phenomenal job mm -hmm. um, with every everything in that book. The, or those books. Okay, so I will definitely look into the Night Watch. I'm looking up here, and I'm and the author's name again. Sorry, is Sarah Waters. Sarah Waters. I'm not. Apparently, they have a lot of romance novels called. <laughs> so it has something with night watching. And, <laughs> of 
course they do. There it is. Not owned. Recommend. You can add titles that aren't in the collection to your search results, so you can recommend them to the library for purchase. So they don't have it, but you can. I can recommend it. Yeah, that's cool. So I will recommend it because this isn't Audible that I'm on, by the way. <laughs> um, and if it's a future sponsor, we'll say, "Hey, Audible." Yeah, Audible. Um, okay, so that was your story, your mm -hmm. book. Okay, my. <laughs> that was the dong, dong saying that you were. <laughs> Time's up. It's your turn. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, um, first off, I had a really hard time finding a st story that we have both not read. <laughs> um, usually I share, we usually share with each other the stories that we've read or not. And then come to find out there's several books that Heather hasn't read that I've read and enjoyed. But I want to choose one of, it's actually, uh, it's Neil Gaiman's first novel. Uh, he wrote it in 1990 uh, with his friend uh, Terry Pratchett. It's called Good Omens. Uh, the, they shortened it to Good Omens, but the original title was Good Omens, The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Angus Nutter Witch. <laughs> That's quite the title. <laughs> it is. Um, Alright, so basically... I'm trying to see how best to describe this book. It is a comedy about the apocalypse. That sounds fantastic. So basically, here's the... There should be more of that. Here's the story. There are There is a demon and an angel that become friends. Because they're in, they're in the world and they mm -hmm. see each other a lot. And they say they're not friends, but they are friends. Yeah. Um, the demon's name is Crowley. <laughs> And I wonder, since this came out in 1990, if they used that demon Crowley for the supernatural. That's a good question. For any supernatural fans. And uh, the angel's name, I'm going to have to point it out. Ezraphel? Ezraphel. That's how I would say it. Ezraphel. We'll say Ezraphel is the angel. And I listened to it on tape, and they actually said it. Um, basically, Crowley was in charge... And he did what he was supposed to, but there was a mix-up. The Antichrist was born, and he was he, he was supposed to switch out the babies, or he was supposed to help with it, and he did his part, but then mm -hmm. something else happened, and the Antichrist went to a different family than what they were supposed to. He was supposed to go with his uh, well-to-do senator family, mm -hmm. you, know, like, you know, political powerhouse rich, so that he would become you know, the, the, the Antichrist. Antichrist. Yes. He wound up with Jessica Lang in Hollywood, right? Nope. That's yeah. sorry. Do you know what a reference? Do you know that reference? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> I was like, don't leave me alone on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to, uh, so he does that, and then he thinks that he did his job. Um, and then come to find out when the Antichrist comes, basically the angel and the, the demon don't want the apocalypse to happen. Maybe we're not supposed to be talking about this. I just had two books fall off my bookshelf. <laughs> Uh, I think it might have been where I was moving things slightly. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Only slightly. <laughs> um, they don't want it to happen because they're enjoying what Earth has to happen. But there's a lot of comedy in it. Like mm -hmm. there's a weekly meeting of the with the demons where Crowley meets with two other demons and they go over what souls they corrupted and they you know the yeah. two demons are talking about I corrupted this you know well-to-do pastor's wife to you know have an affair and this one you know talks about all this horrific <laughs> thing and then Crowley goes. Oh, I invented the freeway. 
<laughs> All those motorists, you know, like That's... they they commit one big sin, and he's like. What I'm doing is causing little sins as they're getting madder and madder and madder. And then all these people are going to explode and think of all the sins that it'll have. <laughs> and they're like, that's not how you're supposed to do it. You know, and it's. Hey, that's, that's a pretty good way to go, though. I mean, a lot of people at once. And it's really funny. Sometimes and it's, it's quantity, not quality. But then, basically, the. Let's see. I'll read a little bit of the synopsis. Uh, the comedy about the birth of the son of Satan, the coming of the end times. There are attempts by the angel and demon to sabotage the coming of end times. Uh, they've grown accustomed, they've become accustomed to their comfortable surroundings in England. Um, that's not the one that I was wanting to read, sorry. Let me pull up the one, the synopsis that I had that I liked. All right. Oh, it just restarted on me, sorry. All right. According... According to the nice and accurate prophecies of Angus Nutter, the witch, recorded thankfully in 1655 before she blew up her entire village and all its inhabitants who had gathered to watch her burn, the world will end on a Saturday, next Saturday in fact. So the armies of good and evil are amassing, the four bikers of the apocalypse are revving up their mighty hogs and hitting the road. The world's last two remaining witch finders are getting ready to fight the good fight, armed with awkwardly antiquated that instructions and stick pins atlantis is rising frogs are falling tempers are flaring everything appears to be going to the divine plan except there's an angel and a fast living demon each of whom has lived among the mortals for many millennia and has grown rather fond of the lifestyle uh, crowley and azrafel are going to stop it from happening they they've got to find and kill the antichrist which is a shame as he's a really nice kid <laughs> There's just one glitch. Someone has had. Someone seems to have misplaced him. So, when it's time for the apocalypse to come, they're all watching this one kid, and it's not. Right. It's, it's not, not him. Kid. So then, the demons are after Crowley because he they think he messed up, and then they're like, "Well, we want to stop it." So where's the? And then they cut back and forth to the actual mm -hmm. kid. Yeah. And then you know he starts developing these powers, and he you know his friends. And it's, where is he? Is he out like in the Midwest somewhere? Or? Well, it's it all takes place in London. Oh, okay. So it's all England, and um, he's like. I'm so American. Of course, it would take place in America. Right. It's American. <laughs> America. <laughs> um, so he. Um, He's like in a little suburban area with a okay. nice family, you know, like a normal, yeah. typical kid. Right. Um, and then, you know, it all boils down to the apocalypse and what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it has a nice little twist. Uh, and there is some really funny moments. I don't usually laugh. Uh, mm -hmm. I usually just chuckle or smile. But I actually, I think I laughed out like once or twice during the book. That is, that's a feat for you um, because, yeah, you don't. Even I mean, movies I, and stuff. I like, get that it's funny, and now it's like, oh, that's funny, ha ha ha. Yeah, but, but you, I don't. You typically don't laugh or guffaw or. I think that, and then there was one. Exuberance. There was another book, uh, The Martian, that did it. Mm -hmm. That I laughed out loud reading it. I, I laughed out loud. Um, I'm good. I, I'm kind of you know you. you LOL. That, you LOL. Mm -hmm. You said that about Agnes Nutter, kind of getting hers, and I'm I'm kind of glad she did. Like score one for a witch during the witch trials. Well, like and, then it, a... and they go back to that, and I mean, she did these prophecies, and they're completely accurate. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just burned her, and they, there's there's comedy there too. Yeah. Um, and then like they like that one synopsis. There's some witch finders. I mean, there's lots of different mm -hmm. threads, 
and uh, you can really see the early stages of Neil Gaiman if you're a Neil mm -hmm. Gaiman fan. I've never read anything from Terry Pratchett to to see what his influence. I mean, I could see more. I could see Neil, so I guess the rest would be Terry. Right. Um, and I've read and I've heard uh, through interviews with Neil and where he's talked about other books, where he's talked about this book, um, like A View from the Cheap Seats, where he's talked about his friend Terry Pratchett and. Mm -hmm. He's, he wrote this, and it was like every night for like two months they would like talk to each other and email each other about, and it came out in 1990, so it tells you like right. like chatting with each other. Um, it didn't win any awards for as far as I know. It's a World Fantasy o Award nominee. Um, Still. I think it's a great book. It was first published um, May 1st, 1990. The, again, I never, I didn't read it, but I listen to the audio and mm -hmm. the person doing the audio was really good did to, very, very good job um, it kills me whenever people put down audiobooks though I'm like no like it's a, a valid way right to, to consume literature because not everybody can sit down and, and read for hours on end people don't have that kind of time right and you can't do it while you're driving so you may as well listen I mean not to get too southern on you. <laughs> Why don't you just listen? <laughs> just listen for a minute. But no, I think it's a really good book. I think the characters are well developed. Obviously, it's mm -hmm. you know Neil Gaiman, so everything you know he does is perfect. He does really well. <laughs> uh, big fans of him. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend it if you're out there. Grab you a copy, download the audio of it, um, and you won't be disappointed because I think it was it was a really fun book. Um, I can't tell you when I, I mean, there was, when I first found out I could, you know, listen through it with my Bluetooth on the car. Yeah. Um, I downloaded scores of books. So it, <laughs> I say it's, I've, I say within the last two years is when I've listened to this. Um, and oddly enough, I've listened to more, you know, I say I don't reread books, but mm -hmm. I do re-listen. Re-listen to them. To audiobooks. I do that I've as done, well, yeah. I've done that for Nazi Boys, and I've done that for The Magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done it. I haven't done it for Good Omens yet, mm -hmm. but I may do it again. But I, but I do typically try to re-listen. Yeah. To audiobooks, cause I just if they do a good job with right. The, well, like uh, the Doctor Who audiobooks, I love to listen to those, especially if it's done by the people who played the actors who played the Doctor. Yes, because I've done that. There are several um, of them on there where there's just, it's David so, Tennant. Yeah, it's so fun. Mm -hmm. They're just, and then you can, instead of seeing it all visually, I mean, you can just, because it's a movie in my head whenever right. I read or listen to books. So I like being able to kind of shape those characters and, and their surroundings. And I guess it will go into reading. That's one of the biggest complaints that I hear is like, I just prefer to watch it on the movie. But you get so much more. Yeah, there's there's so much more if you if you take it in either, you know, audibly or visually. Well, Reading, visually to, reading. To, to kind of dive in a little bit, what, because I was on that path of mm -hmm. I'd rather watch TV mm -hmm. than to do that. What got me was in fourth grade, the teacher, instead of like, it was like once or twice a week, mm -hmm. instead of us going outside and playing, she read us a book. That's fantastic. But it wasn't like... Your reading book. Here's a short story about something that you don't care about. It was yeah. something, it was like my teacher is an alien. 
Oh. For a fourth grader. Yeah. And I still have that book. And there's like a, yeah. a series of books. That's what got me started. Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, I loved that book in middle she school. She read that one. Such I, a good book. So that was like fourth grade. Yeah. When that was introduced to me. And that is what started me on my love of books. And I think if they did that more, and I know it's the, you know, you go, it's the parent's responsibility. And I totally think it is. Yeah. But I think if either they need to pick a better choice of books to read as mm -hmm. a selected books, because there's so much that could be, that could get the same results a, that you want them with, yes. with structure. And there's a lot of children's literature out there. Good, good children's literature. That could really do some good to these kids that will spark their imagination. Mm -hmm. And I thank God that she did that because if she didn't, I would probably have been sitting there like, I hate reading. I don't want to read. I'd rather watch a movie about it. Yeah. I, and I, missing out on so much there's stuff. There's so many good stories, so many characters that I know so much better now mm -hmm. because I read the books or I listened to the audio about, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's where my love of reading got sparked, I guess, if I had mm -hmm. to pinpoint it. Right. Uh, what about you? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, Which, when you are a writer. Yeah. So, and all that really started, didn't start until, like, freshman year for me of high school with writing and stuff. Just uh, And just and, FYI, I've always been um, one of Heather's biggest fans because she would always send me <laughs> her poetry. This is before text and email. Yeah. Really. So, she would just write it, write it on paper. And, and I think I still have some of your you probably original do. poetry yeah. i have a heather I have a heather originals so if i'm ever like you know if it, my writing ever goes anywhere and i get a writing career then you can be like hey i have this in her handwriting her very poor poor handwriting and then they'll be like on the side of the margin who's skeet yeah <laughs> <laughs> because we have dozens of inside jokes because we have been friends since god well, was a baby school, well, high school <laughs> But we think there was an earlier time. We both have memories of us going to a park of some sort, like a teacup ride yeah. type thing. But the we, Scrambler. It was a Scrambler. The Scrambler. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I'm digressing. So um, your reading, love of books. Yeah, yeah, um, you started writing. Writing was ninth grade um, because I used to love to sketch and draw. And like I never really developed that, um, which is probably a good thing. But... The reading, I, I don't know, I guess it, I know I read a lot in middle school, because um, I read B Bridge to Terabithia in seventh grade like four times. I just, I don't know what it was. Something it was about that book. Good. Did you it ever watch so the good. movie? Nope. I refused. Uh, yeah, I, I adamantly just refused. Just out of principle, I'm like, yeah. I'm not watching it, because they're going to do something horrible with it, Yeah. and I'm <laughs> not going to like it. Yeah. Because yeah. some books you just don't touch. Mm -hmm. And that book I loved way too much. But I, I own a, a copy from when I was a kid. Oh, that's really cool. Um, when I was doing my internship um, with the school system, mm -hmm. um, they had me sorting like through like a donation closet of like stuff. Yeah. And it was in a book. It was an old school that they've converted into this like top floor was there like for kids like coats and you know mm -hmm. shoes and stuff that people's donated clothes for kids so I had to it was all a mess so I was sorting through it but downstairs were all these old library books that they were going to be getting rid of like they were just going to throw them away yeah and I went through them and I found an old like it had the old barcode Dewey Decimal System oh that's fantastic of Bridge to Terabithia and it's 
in my son's bookshelf up high where he can't get it and mess <laughs> up with it. When he's ready for it, yeah, he will read it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got that. That's awesome. I couldn't imagine. Like the 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 closest story I have to something like that is. Um, do you remember in the mall where the toy toy store used to be? KB Toys. Yeah, outside of uh, Penny's. Uh huh. Well, after that closed and they moved, um, they had a book fair there oh, of uh-huh. old books. And I got a first edition for $1 of Anne Rice's uh, The Vampire Lestat. Oh, okay. Um, for $1, just randomly found it. And it was actually my fifth grade teacher, Miss Carter, who sold me the book, <laughs> oh. which was just kind of cool. Because I was like, hey, Miss Carter, and looking at books. And then I come across this for $1. And it's uh, it's a hardcover. Yeah, it's yeah. a hardcover. It's not even paperback. So I was that's that's my closest story to something like that. <laughs> so what? So sorry, I interrupted you again. So mm. you were doing doodling and art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But your first love of books. I guess I would have to say if you, if you could pinpoint it, I would have to say middle school at some point um, is whenever I started becoming a heavy reader. Okay. Um, writing came later due to an English teacher demanding we all write a poem and then I did and I don't have it now which like sticks in my craw but wish she did yeah um, yeah it had to be some sometime during middle school the closest I can get to that yeah mine that was that was fourth fourth and I think they did it again in fifth grade but I know it was a fourth grade teacher because she read because I mean it was like the whole school year so we got through a couple of books I know mm-hmm. we did my teacher is an alien and um and it was like a it was like a three or four book series so like mm-hmm. I went on and read the rest of them oh, and I think yourself. I yeah and then um and then Bridge to Terabithia and then I got into Encyclopedia Brown and then just from there I just kept reading yeah. and reading and reading now I did speaking. You said the word encyclopedia. I did used to sit around and read the encyclopedia. Like I didn't like go cover to cover, but I would just pick one at random. Mm-hmm. Have and, you ever read and read a few things from it? Do you prefer fiction or nonfiction? Fiction, all the way. Okay. Um, I don't know. I've heard recent. I mean, I've heard some. I listened to other podcasts and they've talked about other books that are not nonfiction that are really well done mm-hmm. of like historical events or historical things and you oh, know absolutely well being a history major i read a lot of nonfiction, which i think is why mentally i prefer now fiction recreationally now, speaking since you're talking about encyclopedias there's a um would you there was um one of the things that we're talking about nonfiction that that one bookstore that I mentioned to you before the podcast, Pals in Portland, mm-hmm. they have a lot of language things, and there's lots of nonfiction books of why do we say that and the origin of words and oh, see, like, that's, like, stuff like that's why I, what I would love to study, like th- those little minds. Why we things say what that, we say? Yeah, that you'll never ever get funding for. Those are the things like like I the uh, I think I said something one day about I want to study random things like the uh, the origin of the sigh. In English literature and the the progression of the sigh in English literature and how sighing is used in literature exactly yeah. because it it relays so many different emotions well you know even just the pop culture references and just you know talking about this podcast and just the use of 
the vernacular and slang mm -hmm. terms. You know, even in Shakespeare, you know, do you bite your thumb at me? And yeah. No, I just bite my thumb at you, sir. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like that was an insult. Yeah. Biting your thumb and you know, like Shakespeare knows, used so much slang, and it was so fantastic. And like you have people who are like, oh, like I've I've literally heard it said that using slang is a sin. Not by educational people, okay. but by people who, who are religious people, mm -hmm. which surprised me. And I still don't understand it. And it's not something I've ever looked up. But then I'm like, these are the same people that criticize Shakespeare and say that he was probably a homosexual and people shouldn't read him. <laughs> so I mean, he's got guys in dresses. For <laughs> yeah, crying out exactly. Loud. And then you you use logic on them with, with things like, uh, well, women weren't allowed to play in the theater; they couldn't be actors. Well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, they were still. That's doing not it. true. Or yeah. like, what? I'm, no, just no. Okay, we're going down a path here. <laughs> let's, let's write it here. Um, what I've read recently or currently reading, I'm not reading anything currently. Um, what I've recently read, I recently read or listened to uh, Stephen King's book, 112263, which was really good. I watched the miniseries on Hulu. Uh, I would recommend the book more. I watched the first <laughs> episode. I think I mentioned in the first podcast. Yeah. I could not get through it. Yes. I walked away. I didn't even finish the episode. Um, <laughs> what was the other thing? I got on hold. Uh, it's a, a collection of short stories by different authors. Uh, it's Doctor Who, uh, 12, 12 Doctors, 12 Short Stories. Ooh. And each author is handling a short story on each incarnation of the Doctor. That sounds very interesting. And one of them is Neil Gaiman, and I think it's the same story that he did for his short story book, Trigger Warnings. Oh, okay. So his would be the 11th Doctor. Yes. But they've added, because last year she had 11 Doctor, you know, because the new edition of Peter Capaldi, mm -hmm. um, she someone they she got another author to do the 12th doctor story so it's okay. it's on here now they didn't have the 11th one so each she's got 11 12 popular authors mm -hmm. to each write a short story based on each carnation of that doctor that should be really good so you have to let me know how that is yeah i'm really looking forward to the fourth doctor and then obviously the ninth and tenth and capaldi the 12th the ones that we're more familiar with right um it's on hold. And then I've also, I've listened to a lot of different things. Uh, but those are the ones that I've recently listened to. Um, so, yeah. So we've got a couple books for you then to read. And we've then, named a few other yeah. ones. The Night Watch and I've named Good Omens. And we've talked about some other books. British Terabithia. Anything by Anne Rice. Anything by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to... The book that we're going to recommend, and it's not just one book. Haha, -ha, we tricked you. Um, <laughs> it's a great mini. It's a collection of comic books uh, by Neil Gaiman. Uh, you'll, if you haven't figured that out, we'll we'll name drop him more. Yeah. Um, Neil Gaiman uh, wrote a comic book series called The Sandman, uh, and it kind of updated. Well, it didn't update. It was kind of bringing back the lore from the earlier golden age Sandman who had a gas mask and uh, put criminals to sleep with a gas gun. Uh, he was called Sandman and he incorporated that into his story. This all takes place in the DC universe. Uh, it was under the, uh, the Vertigo, uh, Vertigo, yes. Vertigo 
label under DC Comics, which, which the Vertigo also was does what they do also uh, Lucifer, right? They did Lucifer, the spinoff from Sandman. Yeah. They also did. Uh, they also do Hellblazer, which you all would know from Constantine. Yes. Um, they and Constantine is actually in Sandman briefly. Yes, and they have a. The DC universe is at play here, but it's also uh, its own separate story. They just use that as a background piece for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very. It's was seventy five issues. Uh, then there was a few filler episode, episodes, issues, <laughs> as well as uh, he recently did an eight-issue follow-up, which was technically a prequel uh, to this start of this series, uh, which was also pretty well. Have you have you read it? Yes, I have not. Um, I have it, and I need to give it to you because I thought I was giving you each issue as it came out or did I wait I was going to wait for it all yeah okay I've got all I'm also a year behind two years behind I think on um, Walking Dead The Walking Dead (laughs) so there are so many different stories and subplots to Sandman yes just yes how, how about this I will go over the first story arc of the Sandman just to kind of give you a little taste and then you all Please go out and get these. They have these in trade yeah. paperbacks. I'm looking at one that Heather has here. It's volume one, which is issues one through 20, and it is a very thick book. I mm-hmm. own, I have all of the trades, and I also am trying to get each comic itself because um, these came out in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a lofty goal. I've got, there were 75. I think I've got not in order because some of them are broken up so I mean Mm -hmm. I think I've got about 30 or 40 of them oh yeah between 30 and 40 of the original one we'll see there was a room well well, they're just comic I mean you know right I've got but you have a lot of comics I do I have like (laughs) I have six big shoe box not shoe boxes but the comic the uh, long comic boxes boxes, yes uh, full of comics and I've got a couple drawers full of them that I haven't been able to put had time to put them over to that um but i've got sandman is the only comic that i have and the trades that are with my other books like my actual reading books yes i've taken them out of the comics and i and i'm not one of those that's like comics aren't reading comics is a wonderful tool for reading Absolutely. If you have kids that are reading comics encourage it because some of those stories are very great and moving uh just like we're talking about with this sandman story mm-hmm. uh Please encourage them to read. Let them read anything, anything. that will yeah. that will spark their interest and creativity. Um, we need more of that. We're losing it. I don't know. We as say person, that, and then and as then a you, person with children, I feel like we're losing it. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe it was just where we're getting old, and we think every generation isn't doing it, and then we find out that they, you know, you see statistics that you know, the more kids are reading, you know. Yeah, maybe, but. I'm old and cranky and refuse to believe any new statistics. <laughs> it's all fake news. <laughs> it's all fake news. Hashtag ding dong, you're dead. Ding dong, you're dead. Okay, so Sandman tells the story of... I'm trying to see how I could summarize it. This is all on the cuff here. I've not had any prep work for this at all. We yes. literally just said what we want to talk about that we both read. And I said, let's do Sandman. Yes, so... Um, okay, Sandman tells the story. It begins with this occult group who are trying to trap the embodiment of death. 
um, they're doing a ritual to summon death and bind her control so that they could live forever. Um, they do the ritual and because that's something you should want to do. Yes. To live forever or to trap death. Um, both, both. (laughs) (laughs) So they do the spell and they did not capture death, but they captured her younger brother dream, uh, which introduces you to dream. This all takes place in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hold him in there for 70 years. Until one of them dies, right? No, what happens well, is, is that... It's been so long. What happens is, is that the, the, the person who does it, and he has these items of power, these totems of power that he's created. One of them is a helmet. One of them is his uh, bag of sand. And the other one is his uh, ruby... Uh, Dreamstone. They take all those, and someone from each one of the cult that does it, they 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 each take it and go with it. Now the father, he dies. He literally waits him out, but his son continues to keep him there. Uh, It's his son that uh, he knows. The son knows about it. He keeps on doing it. And what happens is, is that after his son is almost old age. What happens is, is that his son comes visits him. The son visits Dream, and he is in a wheelchair. And as they're turning him away, he scoffs the barrier of the the circle that mm-hmm. the Dream is caught in, and that's just enough for Dream to, to escape. escape. Okay. Um, so he escapes, and he puts a curse on the son, where he would just have continuing nightmares. He wakes up, and he's in a nightmare. He wakes up, he's in a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's a nightmare, and then once, which is horrible, just that's all he has is just continuing nightmares throughout all of his life. Um, the dream goes back to his kingdom, the dreaming, uh, and finds it in shambles where he's not been there to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his uh, creatures that he's created, some of them have abandoned him. Uh, you get to meet a lot of the future characters, and some of the you get started mm-hmm. with some of the points of the story mm-hmm. um so i guess i am kind of spoiling spoiling this for everyone yeah because um, i want to talk about just the first thing but i'm not going to go into more than that because there is so much to to dive into and i'm just doing broad strokes on this story he has siblings trust, trust me i'm not doing this any justice <laughs> um yes you find out i don't think you find out here but you do find out he is a sibling of death but he is one of what is called the endless mm-hmm. one of seven uh, aspirations or different aspects uh, the siblings inherit um, versus destiny, then death, then Desi- dream, yeah. then desire and destruction. Uh, Delirium? Wait, no. Dream is third, destruction is fourth, then desire and de- uh, despair, then delirium is the youngest. Okay. And they say she's the youngest, but she's older than the stars. Yeah. But she's the youngest sibling. So, right. um So we got destiny, death, dream, destruction, despair, desire, and delirium. Yes. yes. Good job. I'm pulling this all out of my... Hat. Hat. Your hat. You're pulling it out of your hat that you don't wear. Um, so basically he goes back to the dreaming. He kind of recoups enough of his strength. He needs his items because... They are his items of power because he's infused them with 
him, parts of himself. So without them for that long, he is himself And that, that's weakened. where Constantine comes in. That's the first thing he looks for is his um, sand, his uh, pouch of sand, and he recruits uh, Constantine to help him find it. This one was not um, sorry, I'm flipping through this as we go, not <laughs> to kind of help refresh my memory. Um, the one with Constantine isn't that difficult. Um, it Turns out Constantine's ex had it, and she was using it to get high in the sense of the euphoric dreams, and the sand was causing the walls. Um, and at first, you think that the dreams are going to try to hurt Dream when he mm -hmm. shows up, but then he sets them straight. It's like, I am your lord and master. Do you, you know, do not, you know, yeah. don't mess with me, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they recognize him, like, oh, so sorry. He's <laughs> able to do the dreams and do a solid for Constantine by letting her have a, a pleasant death. Because without the sand keeping her alive, because she's not been eating, she's been in the bed, mm -hmm. the sand is what's been keeping her alive. So he gives her one last reprieve so that she can die at peace. Um, the next one was the is what he considers is the one of the hardest ones. He the helmet was given to a demon in in hell uh, for protection, um, and so he goes into the realm of hell. Mm -hmm. To, to get it back, and this is where this is not like a typical comic. When you think of comics, you think of uh, spandex superheroes yeah, punching is, each other through walls. This, this is none of that. This is a thinking man's. Yeah, um, this is. There's no spandex cape wearing superheroes in this. More of a graphic novel. So dream than goes, a comic book. So dream goes to hell. We are introduced to Edrin. Uh, the rhyming demon, which if you are familiar with demon uh, DC Comics, he's one of the major, he's one of the more prolific demons in DC Comics. And then you go see the Lords of Hell, where you f meet Lucifer, who does a spinoff eventually. Yes. Um, and there, there are three Lords of Hell. There's Lucifer, uh, oh, what's his Beelzebub. And I can't remember the last one's name. Uh, Beelzebub, Lord of Flies. And I'm no good at this because I'm terrible with names when they're real people. So, <laughs> But, okay, anyway, Dream's come for it. It's come for his, for his helmet. Um, and so basically Lucifer says, I'm going to call all the demons and you can show us which demon has your helmet. Um, and he finds a demon, the demon has it and he's, he says, I want it back. And he says, I've broken no laws by even hell's the rules. Yeah, I was traded to mortal for it fairly. It's mine to have. Um, and he says, if you want it precious back, you must fight me for it. So if you're thinking about comics, you think, of the, oh, they're going to actually have like a fisticuffs fight. <laughs> but what they do is they have a fight of reality, assert reality, where they they each talk about something and the other one has to counter and it becomes reality. An example is, uh, I'm pulled it up. Uh, the first move, I'm a dire wolf, prey stalking, lethal prowler. 
and then it that was the demon's first move. So Shadow comes back and says, I'm a hunter, horse-mounted, wolf-stabbing, to which it comes back to say, I'm a horsefly, stinging, hunter, throwing. See, there's just like a counter move for mm -hmm. each one. And then it's where it gets really good. There's two really good <laughs> moments. Um, it ends up, Dream tries to pull him into a trap where he says, I am the world, space floating, life nurturing. So the demon comes back and says, I am a Nova all exploding, a planet cremating. And then Dream comes back and says, I am the universe, all things encompassing, all life embracing. And you're like, oh, okay, he's got it. Yeah. And then the demon comes back and says, I am anti-life, the beast of judgment. I am the dark at the end of everything, the end of universes, gods, worlds of everything. So everyone's like, oh, we got him. Like, what else can you do that? So Dream comes back and says, I am hope. <laughs> Which, there's where you get the chills. And he can't think of anything. So if he can't come up with something, he loses. And then he... So he wins. Um, Dream wins. Dream wins. Um, he comes back to the demon and says, I don't know. So he takes his helmet. Um, and obviously, they... They refer to Dream as different things. Um, mm -hmm. and, he like, has Morpheus, many names. You know, yes. things of that nature. Um, it says, you know, I'll just read this part. I know I'm reading this to you, so the <laughs> gripping of the seat of podcast right here. But it needs to be done because I want to give it, ju I want to give it justice. Um, when he gets his helmet, Dream says, I thank you, uh, the kings of hell. You, the kings of hell are honorable. I will remember this. Honorable? You joke, surely. Look around you, Morpheus. The million lords of hell stand about you. Tell us why we should let you leave. Helmet or no, have you no power here? You have no power here. What power have dreams in hell? And then, this is where the other <laughs> chills part comes. You say I have no power. Perhaps you speak truly, but you say that dreams have no power here? Tell me, Lucifer, Morningstar, ask yourselves, all of you, what power would hell have if those here in prison were not able to dream of heaven? And then, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowds part, and he leaves. Because it's true. Um, and then we go into the last part. He's got two of the three items. He comes into this other character who was a villain, a main villain in DC Comics, uh, Dr. Destiny, um, who has his ruby uh, gemstone. Um, and basically they fight. Um, basically the stone keeps absorbing more of, of dream mm -hmm. until the point where you think, you think that he is going to beat dream. Uh, but he absorbs so much of dream that it shatters the stone and all of the power is released and it goes back to dream because it dream is him. Um, and it ends with a very interesting story at the very tail end it introduces you to his sister which is death, death. but it's not the death that you know <laughs> or that you would think of because at this point you think of death as like the skeleton and the robes and the yeah. darkness and the sigh yeah. um, and this one's a bubbly happy-go-lucky yeah um, goth girl I love all the vignettes with death that take place over the course of uh, this series um, and she, of course, has one of my favorite lines ever. You get what anyone gets. 
You get a lifetime. She's feeding the birds, and he goes with her. The uh, flapping of her wings is what it, it's called. It's really good. Um, I think she even quotes Mary Poppins, doesn't she? she At some point, she does, yes. Uh, I'm just skimming through it. Uh, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. If you ever want to know how that's spelled, there you go. <laughs> just look in the Neil Gaiman books. And then she also throws on some sunglasses and says, Peachy Keen. Yep. Um, and this is death we're talking about. And she's kind of a goth girl. Uh, dark hair, pale skin. She's got an onk. Yeah, she wears the onk around her neck. Um, black clothes. And basically she's saying, you know, if you had asked, I would have come and helped you. And Dream is very solemn, very no. Um, yeah, he's his own, his own man. So she kind of sets him straight. And lots of stuff from these stories that I've skimmed over are, they hint at for future stories. And mm-hmm. then it's 75 issues. This one, I think if I'm not mistaken, ends with issue 11 or 12, the first run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes on to the next one. Um, Sandman 8 this is what that one is so the first appearance of so it was 8 issues uh, of the first arc so that was just a brief synopsis but there's so much different stories so much that plays back into it you get to see William Shakespeare there's a much of it on, on that you get to meet all these other siblings and what they do mm-hmm. I feel like Jesus I've t- is there at one point I think I've talked about this other planets more. are there I think I've talked more about it than you so what do you, what, what do you like about the Sandman <laughs> all of it okay I mean, so that was <laughs> that was me trying to throw because I felt like I talked too much so no, I gave Heather it's I like mean, what do you like about it? I like all of it we, we know that death is my favorite <coughs> um, delirium scares the shit out of me delirium does yes the youngest one yes okay like the everything about her in there is so visceral and just so like frightening to me mm-hmm. it's just it's that art that isn't beautiful it's that art that makes you uncomfortable which is sometimes art's purpose is to make you uncomfortable and make you think and delirium does that for me now desire he's a bitch he she yeah, depending on the day. Um, um, like if I thought, and here's the thing that we are so hoping they never do is make this into a movie. Yeah. Because they've oh. talked about it. Oh, gosh, have they talked about it. Mm-hmm. And Neil Gaiman has been on it, and I'm maybe I'm a little bit more comfortable with American Gods, how they treated American Gods, if they made yeah. it into a TV show as opposed to a movie. Because yeah. trying to fit, what I just told you would have been impossible hardly to do for a two-hour movie. Yeah. Um, there was way too that, many details. And that was me skimming through it. And all, most of that was from my memory, except for what I read, because I wanted to make sure I had it down right. But it's just impossible. I think it's one of those that's impossible to do um, for that short of, I mean, for that much content, you'd have to have multiple movies. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, the first movie doesn't do well, then they're not going to do it. I think if you did a TV show, I would be more inclined Especially if you have the kind of care and love that they did with for American Gods. Gods. Yeah, I agree. Um, and this could be this this could be like a uh, Doctor Who length TV show. Like it could it could run for more than fifty years with just the, with the content alone right. in it. Mm-hmm. Not that the actors could actually do that because it's not like they have the luxury of but the Doctor. They've gotten around that though. In, yeah, in the books, well, we won't go into too much of it. But, right. Um, um, but, I mean, it, it, it 
it could go on a long time. And this is where this if is done properly. This story, the Sandman, because I read comics, Sandman is what introduced me to Neil Gaiman and what he is capable of in just the few short pages of a comic book, what he can show and produce and make me feel mm-hmm. in that short period of time is what made me fall in love with his other stories and where I wanted to consume everything that he has done. I think I've read almost everything except for like maybe Coraline is the only book that I've not like of his major works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, Sandman is what started it off. And like I said, it's the one that I actually hold with my other novels. Like yes. it, as something your, your that book would, collection, it's in your book collection, not your comic collection. collection right. Yeah. Um, anything else on Sandman? I think we've covered it and we've, you know, really given it, um, a lot of love. (laughs) I was trying to think of something very clean to say. A lot of love. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we'll end up with the book review. Um, and we'll end with saying, let us know what your favorite book is. Is there a book that you just cherished? cherished <laughs> treasured uh that you cherished and treasured and it's cherished yeah um that you loved so much that you would hate for it to become a book become uh, a movie. movie the book become a movie or a tv show uh we talked about two here we we're talking about sandman we don't want it to happen and we also talked about bridge terabithia they did it yeah and we refused <laughs> to watch it because we don't want it to to sully what we had um so let us know in the comments. Uh, send us an email. Drop us a line. We have several ways of reaching us. Mm-hmm. We'll go over all that at the end. But just drop us a line. Let us know what you what you like, what stories. Um, and absolutely read my book, Clilika and Other Journeys, for uh, your summer reading. Yeah, do a, <laughs> do a, do a plug. By me, H.D. Russell. You can find it on Amazon and Amazon Kindle. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> and, yes, you can order well, it at your local bookstore. On Amazon. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move to Would You Rather. We're going to do four rounds. Four rounds. I got four cards. All right, so you, I think I went first last time. I went first last time. You did go first? Yeah, so you go first this time. I'll go first. All right. All right, would you rather eat nothing but bland nutrient pills and add 10 years to your life or eat delicious foods at every meal but shave five years from your life? Delicious foods for every meal. So you would rather cut off five years? I'm a former smoker. I'm sure I've already done that anyway. So, <laughs> so you're just wanting to hit the gas pedal all the way to the ground then? Uh, Let's yeah. Just go. Steak every day. Steak every day. Eat delicious foods. But that's not even saying, I mean, you could eat delicious foods and shave five years of your life in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these things could actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I would do the, I don't know, add 10 years. Yeah, but what, like what's 10 years? Is that going to be quality 10 years? I don't know. That would be, that's a good question. 10 years to your life, so that would be at the end. And all I can think is that Queen song from uh, freaking Who Wants to Live Forever, whatever, uh, whatever yeah. that, you know? Yeah, from Highlander. Well, Highlander, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I would go with the... I think I would go, I would add 10 years. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, as much as I complain, I think I'm not done yet. And I think if I could get every minute more than I can, I think I would do it. I mean, if I'm not going to die till I'm 80, like 
What's what's seventy five? I don't know. Maybe something happens between seventy five and eighty that you never got to experience. I mean, you could be right. So you never I, know. I might finally, you know, get to meet Renee O'Connor. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, so my turn. Your turn. Would you rather travel everywhere in a giant robot or on the back of a fire breathing dragon? Oh. <laughs> dragon. Yeah. It's more of a it's more of a statement. Yeah, dragon. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about taking out the dragon. Yeah. Let's get to work. Yeah. Sorry, I'm quoting Angel. <laughs> that's which, that's immediately where my mind went. <laughs> which in the comics that tell the story afterwards, just going on a tyrant here. Uh, doesn't he like become friends with the dragon? That's what, and he names it Cordy. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. Um, of course he does. So yeah, the dragon, the whole way. I mean, the giant robot. I think. I mean, just go, if I want to try to put logic to giant robot. I mean, besides the, the dragon looking cooler, mm-hmm. I think there'd be more property damage by doing a robot. Yeah. yeah. Walking through, as opposed to I'm flying over everything. Look how awesome I am as this dragon breathes fire. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I see you, tiny villager. I'm not going to try to hurt people. What are you going to I wasn't saying. I wasn't Look saying. Look at you, tiny villager. I wasn't saying you were going to hurt them. I was just saying you could see them from great heights. Okay. All right. It's my turn. Your turn. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Would you rather... Expose, expose terrible government secrets, but live as a fugitive or change your past, past, I can't talk tonight, sorry, <laughs> change your past, but never find true love. Change my past. And you don't want to find your true love? No. Okay. <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. A, I don't want to. My, my, <laughs> my main motivation for that is I'm not exposing any kind of government secrets. Like jail scares the shit out of me. Like I it would rather be say, set on says, fire. It never says that you get caught. It says exposed. You have to live as, as a fugitive. A fugitive. Yeah, that means like pooping in the woods. You never know. Maybe you. That have don't mean some leaving it up in the Ukraine. And you go live in an extra, non-extradition country. I mean, if there's sandy beaches... You've looked up how to maybe. change your ID. <laughs> <laughs> I have. It's true. A new identity. You've planned ahead. There's a file on you in NSA. It's all good. They're already coming for you. <laughs> so I may as well just... My choice has already been made, I reckon. <laughs> all right. My choice. I'm the hopeless romantic, so I couldn't give up my true love. So I would be a fugitive. <laughs> Your turn. Oh, my turn. Yes. Look at you picking up. I was going card. to. I was going to. <laughs> All right. Oh. No. Shaking her head. Would you rather have your life scripted by Quentin Tarantino or by David Lynch? <sighs> I'm not comfortable saying that many N words, so <laughs> I'm going to go with David Lynch. <laughs> I mean,. Maybe you should. <laughs> Although I do want to meet Samuel L. Jackson in my lifetime, so if I ever wanted to, I'm living 
I mean, I don't know. That's that's tough. Because, let me or, let me look up David Lynch's. Well, I mean, David Lynch, you got stuff like Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, right? Um, Lost Highway, <laughs> right, right, so right. That's uh, Dune. There's one for Dune, you, Dune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh gosh, it'd be kooky and it would be weird and different. I will give him that. I could probably, yeah, I would probably have to go with David Lynch just because um, with Tarantino, there's there's too too much too much inward, yeah, and too much um, blood. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like if I cut myself shaving, like, I'm going to be like a geyser for like ten minutes. Yeah, and I used to work in the OR. Like I cleaned up bloods and bones and guts and stuff for a living, and I still choose David Lynch. I, I think I'm going to go with that. Yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, I could do that. I wouldn't say I would enjoy it, but I mean, mm. I between the two, I yeah. yeah. If forced to choose. All right. Okay. Would you rather have the head of Frankenstein's monster or have his body? So basically it's like your body on Frankenstein's your, yeah. Frankenstein's head on your body or Frankenstein's body with your head. (laughs) It's there's a tiny head on a big body. It's, it's really funny. Either way, picturing it. Well, it'd be top heavy with the Frankenstein head. It's true. Like, I don't know that my body could support that. So I, I would have to, I guess I would have to go with my head on his body. Your head on his body. Yeah. My I'd go head. with that one. Because yeah. there's, you know, it would look funny, but you'd have all of his strength. If you could go yeah. by different lures, he's I, stronger. I, 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 yeah. You know, and he could take off his arm. And, ah. <laughs> I'll hit you. I'll beat you with the wet end of my arm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, that it, one's pretty. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. Okay. So. And would you rather react to members of the opposite sex like a dog reacts to a squirrel, or have laser? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> or would you rather have? Laser pointers in your eyes that reveal whatever you look at. Like reveal to me or reveal to everybody? Everyone. Laser pointers. So it would be like... Looking, oh, I, okay. I, would, I was totally not... Like if I'm... Wherever I'm looking... It's like what, a dot. It would be a dot where... Oh, he's looking at that. He's looking at that. He's, he's looking, looking at, at that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see the... So the first one is react to members of the opposite sex like a dog reacts to a squirrel. Okay, so I'm going. I was reacting to the, to up. If you didn't figure that out, girl. So it'd be like, hey, yeah. girl, how are you? <laughs> hey, hey. I guess as long as I wouldn't have to be a heterosexual, I would go with the react like a dog. And I'm supposed to give my answer first, and then you. Oh, sorry. I thought you already gave your answer. No, I was just choosing. Um. <laughs> I don't think I would want to know where I, I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, no. So people don't need to know what I'm looking at. <laughs> look, I yeah, I'll go with the act like a squirrel. Yeah, it's easier, I guess, for you since your opposite sex doesn't really. Yeah, guy, <laughs> the guy. Yeah, <laughs> they'd just be like, "What is wrong with her?" In my space, guy. <laughs> oh, that would oh. I want to do that in public one day now and just film it and see what happens. <laughs> okay, so last one, mine. 
mine, mine, mine. mine. <laughs> Would you rather be able to control fish, but have fish eyes, or control insects, but have spider mandibles? Well, spiders are arachnids, so why would you have? Uh, uh, stupid! I don't stupid. Uh, um, I uh, I'm gonna go with the fish. I'll go with the fish too because you can put on some glasses. Yeah, sunglasses. And I mean, I can't swim, so it would be fun, like to control. You're Aquaman. Yeah, it'd be fun for me to be able to do this. <laughs> hey, y'all, watch it. And they just jump. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with the fish because the mandibles of the that would not be pretty. No. No. Okay. Last one for you. Okay. Would you rather? Oh, spit out gold coins whenever someone kicks you in the crotch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or dispense lottery scratchers whenever you punch someone in the face. Like, what's the amount on the lotto scratchers? It doesn't say whether they would be winners or losers. So I mean, is it just like, kicked or hit? Because my son, I would be, I would be so when, wealthy right when now. When someone kicks you in the crotch, kicks you spit out gold coins, or you take the calculated risk of dispensing lottery scratchers which may or may not be winners it doesn't say they're winning scratchers they no. just say you just dispense. dispense them whenever some whenever someone, you, you punch, punch someone, someone in the, the face. face and then you go to jail and you don't get to get the scratcher anyway i don't know i could make it a party game like hey watch this i'm yeah. punch you in the face <laughs> and some lotto scratchers are going to appear yeah watch it's amazing <laughs> what well, doesn't say how hard either this is uh -uh. this punch no. yeah just, uh. yeah maybe we'll do a light tap yeah um I was going to say, if you talk any kind of hit to the groin, yeah. my son, I would be... He has, like, deadly aim for your... I would I would be the wealthiest man alive. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the punch thing, because maybe I can spin it to where I'm like, I just got to barely tap you. It doesn't mm -hmm. say how hard. Like, if it says punch someone as hard as you can in the face, and you get like, then... Right. It just says punch. Like, if I can just do, like, a little tap, and there's a lot of scratchers, then there's a chance you could win. Yeah. And you could, you know, you could split them and be like, here, let me punch you in the face and we'll split, we'll split them. these lotto scratchers that are going to come out of my body somehow. This is the dispense. I don't yeah. know where they dispense from. <laughs> they dispense from. forth from your person. <laughs> is there something behind your ear? <laughs> uh, okay, so what would you choose? I don't know. Like, I could get pretty rich by letting somebody kick me in the crotch well it's, it doesn't say how many i don't know gold is going up yeah my gosh i mean so, i could i could be just and know, i don't gamble persuaded to do the gold coins because yeah. that's guaranteed money yeah um so right, yeah, maybe right maybe maybe do that i may change my answer and just like once a year mm -hmm. get kicked in the crotch really hard whatever right like set aside a day where every member of your family just kicks you in the crotch. And I'll give you one coin that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Not even that. I'm the one who's going through all of it. And then i got to cough up coins. I don't know how pleasant that would be. <laughs> <laughs> On top of getting kicked in the crotch. Exactly. Uh, see, I just imagined it like Mad Sweeney. Like, you know how they, he can just make them. Appear. Yeah, so I just figured you'd be like, Puh. Puh. and, and there's, there's some gold, coins. gold doubloons. All right. Okay, so that will end another wonderful round of Would You Rather. Um, and as we wrap up next week, we will try to meet again. 
Uh, and I don't know what we'll discuss next week. We we're going we're gonna to make it up. We're going to we'll, come up with something. We might go back to Buffy. We may just abandon it altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, we keep saying we're going to do Buffy. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll let you know. Yeah. Um, Maybe we could discuss the Doctor Who season finale. Did you all watch that? Oh, my gosh. Good. Or we could start talking about Preacher, which started last week, which is yes. also very good. Are you watching it? Um, so we got we got some different things. We may continue to talk about some books, too, here and there, and mm-hmm. other TV shows and movies. Um, and let us know your summer reading list. Tweet at us. At Reach the Mass. M-A-S. Uh, that's a good segue to you can reach us at Twitter at reach the mass you can email us at reach the mass at gmail mm-hmm. dot com uh, we, we have a Tumblr reach the masses podcast just search it um, okay. we're on iTunes we're on archive dot org mm-hmm. um, there's lots of ways for you to reach us uh, so please do let us and know and YouTube can't forget the YouTube yes we're on the YouTubes um, let us know what you think Tell us what stories really uh, moved you, made you laugh, cry, all that good emotional stuff. Um, what some of your favorite authors are. Um, give everyone, us something to read. Yeah, give us your recommendation of someone that... Read or listen to. Yeah, that you would you would think that we would enjoy. Um, I think between the both of us, we have a very large field of stuff that we both like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I think... Um, I'm going to cut that part out because I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but there's lots of ways for us, for you to reach out to us. Please do so, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, if we get enough questions, we might read some of your questions on the podcast. Uh, do a little Q&A. Yeah, a little Q&A. A little Q for our A. <laughs> um, a little A for our Q. There we go. Uh, even better. Sorry, I was doing T&A in my mind, so. I know. I'd already left. I know. I'd already left mentally. As glazed over and i lost you (laughs) all right so that'll do it for this week until then i'm travis and i'm heather